0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. In this week's Adult Bible Studies, we continue our study through the book of Romans. And today we come to Romans chapter number seven. We, we've spent some time on chapter six, and I almost was tempted right there to kind of go back and start reviewing, but that's what I did at the beginning of the lesson. So I don't need to do that. All I need to do is introduce today's lesson. So it's the teacher in me. I just want to get right into review. But we will review at the beginning, chapter 6, and get into a similar subject on sanctification, but a new, a new victory that we have over the law. That's what we're going to get into today. So without further ado, let's jump in, Romans chapter 7. Okay, Romans chapter 7 is where we're going to be at today. We're in the middle of uh, three wonderful chapters in the book of Romans. We've talked about chapter 6, which basically showed us our relationship with sin sin had dominion over us sin had power over us we were defeated by sin until we met jesus christ and when we received jesus christ as our personal savior then sin no longer is our master sin has been defeated we died when buried and rose again and with christ and now sin is defeated and i said to you i gave you an illustration of working at walmart once and working at libra once but and i said that because sin is no longer our master we no longer have to bow to it every time it tells us to do something we have a new master who loves us and cares for us and wants to bring freedom in our lives and wants to bring uh, show us his grace and that new master of course is jesus christ who set us free but now as we come into chapter 7 and we'll just cover probably the first 13 verses this week although i really like the last verses but my other two teachers said they're only going to get through 13, so I was like, all right, I'll try to put on the brakes in 13. But um, we are, we're going to look at our relationship to the law. Now at first you may say, okay, what does that really have to do with anything, our relationship to the law? And actually in our churches today, it has a, a quite a bit to do. And I'm trying to think of the best way to, to get the point across. But not to park here too long because it could be easy to do, and you could pick on a lot of things that could get really controversial. But we all understand there's this, uh, th- that we don't get we're not saved by doing good works or by obeying the law. And anyone that would say that you need to do this, you need to keep all of the Ten Commandments, and then you will get to heaven, we would define that person as a legalist because they're telling us that we have to do something in order to get to heaven. That's the easy form of legalism to spot. Anytime that someone says, do something to get to heaven, that's a form of legalism. That's easy to to see. It's easy to call out. And usually, in our circles, everybody's like, yeah, that's legalism. We don't believe that. That part's easy. But the tricky part, the other part of legalism that's difficult deals with sanctification. And where some legalism can come in even among uh, churches similar to ours, maybe even in our churches at times, our church maybe even at times, that legalism can come in when it deals with sanctification as well. Early on in my life, I didn't really think about this. I was just like, legalism is when someone says that you need to do this to get to heaven. We don't think you need to do this to get to heaven. We're not legalists. But legalism can come in when it comes to this Christian life sanctification, and an illustration we were just discussing before prayer with my with the other teachers is one of the one of the illustrations is like, for instance, let's say that I just, let's say my wife and I decided that we are just spending too much time watching tv does that happen in people's society today (laughs) it happens all right so maybe we just decided you know we're spending way too much time watching tv we're not spending any time with god we just don't spend it we're just we're just spending too much time and so we're going to cut out tv in our life let's just say we did that okay is there anything sinful about cutting out tv in your life could it be profitable for us spiritually to cut out TV in our lives? It could be. You know, if, if it's hindering our relationship with God, if we're watching some bad things or whatever, it could be beneficial. So, is there anything wrong with us making a family decision to cut out TV? No. Now, watch this. So, we cut it out let's say we're going a few months and all of a sudden we're doing pretty good. It's helping us in our relationship. It's helping us in our prayer life. We're spending some time. We're getting into the word and we're reading and it's going pretty good. And then, and then we go and uh, Ryan and Nicole, we're like, hey, can't believe you guys are watching TV. Can't believe you're watching TV. We cut out TV and you guys are still watching TV? Wow. I, I just can't believe that you guys watch TV. You, got, you know what? We were friends, but you guys are TV watchers and we don't watch TV, and we're doing good spiritually, and you guys are watching TV, we're done. Not gonna, are you going to watch PGA Championship today, Ryan? Sure. We're not friends. <laughs> no, nope, we're not doing it. And now all of a sudden, we don't sit by him at church, we don't talk to him, and all of a sudden, something that was okay, something that was good for us spiritually, we needed it, we put that onto them. Mm-hmm. Now where am I going to go to in the Bible and say thou shalt not watch tv now are there some principles i i I could stand here and i could confidently say there's probably some things we should not watch on tv and i can find some bible to back that up but there's nothing that's going to say i have to put our standard onto them and so legalism can creep into the church when it comes to the christian life because there may be some things that God wants me to give up. You know, the, it, it may be, you know, we see this sometimes there's the Facebook guys. There's the Facebook like, oh, I don't do Facebook. I can't believe you do Facebook. I don't do I hate Facebook personally. I hate it. I have it. I hate it. But there's some Facebook legalists out there being, wow, can't believe you do Facebook. You, I, I can't believe you do Facebook. I know you're a Christian, but you can't be a Christian walking close to God if you're walking, looking at all that trash. That's what some people would say. And you know what? They're Facebook legalists. <laughs> All right? I'm saying it a little bit lightly. Now, I've used two ones that we probably are not going to run into too much. But understand my caution because I could get it down to something that's going to hit every one of us in this room. And I've done them myself. I'm wearing one right now. You know what? Do you know why I'm wearing a suit and tie today? You know where I'm wearing a suit and tie today? Because no one has told me I have to, but I got a feeling my dad, since he has me lead singing, wants me to wear a suit and tie to it. He, he never said it. He's never told me. He never puts it. But I have a feeling he probably wants me to. And so I just say, hey, I have the freedom to just wear whatever I want. Now, I shouldn't say that. Because there is some principles in the Bible about modesty and things like that. And honoring and things like that. But I have the freedom to wear a polo shirt if I wanted and khakis and lead singing. Don't I? I mean, no, nothing in the Bible says I don't. But I honor those in authority that I believe probably want me. He never said, but I think probably wants me to, so I do it. Now, do I say, Dad, you're a legalist? No, because he never told me I had to. I'm just trying to honor him. So there's some, This is how this practical thing I'm going to get into. I'm just showing you at the front how this applies in life. Because, man, I'm telling you what, I've, and I've been a pastor, I've been in churches, and I've been in Christian schools, this stuff can get ugly quick, all right? And I'm give, just giving you some general ones, but it can get really ugly. Because here's the idea, we sometimes in our, in our freedom can put our standards on someone else and try to hold them to our standards that may not be Bible. You know who did that in the Bible? What's the name of the people that did that in the Bible? They were the Pharisees pharisees did that in the bible now there are some things that are hinder that can hinder us there are some some areas that there's some principles that we could be breaking and it's nothing wrong with with dealing with those but we're going to see our relationship to the law because some people believe and some some truly get in the mindset to use my same silly illustrations that 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 we have to say no tv so that we can walk close to god or that, that God would be more pleased with us. So I get more of God's love. Let me tell you this. In my silly illustration at the beginning, us not watching TV does not get us more love than these two watching the PGA Championship today. God's not going to love them more than us. Now, we do watch and I will be watching the PGA, maybe watching the PGA Championship <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. I'm just kidding. So it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't gain you more love. But the idea is when we start getting, like if I sit up here and think, Hey, I'm probably the most spiritual one in this this class because I'm the only one with this jacket on because Brian already took his off. So I must be the most spiritual one in this class. And God must love me more. You know, if I said that, I would be a legalist. I wouldn't say this is getting me to heaven, but if I thought it got me more of God's love, I've become a legalist. Now, with all those illustrations that are very general and I could have got a lot more specific, all right? But I'm not going to right now. Let's get into Romans chapter 7. Look at verse 1. He says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak as them that know the law. And he's talking to a lot of these Jewish Christians that were really hard on this law and understood and believed that they were bound to this law. He says, How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead... She is loose from the law of her husband. Now, wives, be careful, all right? Don't go home and start killing your husband, all right? Don't, this is not a passage. This does teach, I believe, that, uh, th- but this does teach that you're bound in your marriage to your spouse until one of you die. I really, too, believe that should, is how it should be. But it doesn't mean go kill him so that you can go be with someone else, all right? But look at what he goes on to say. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of our sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of letter. Now I'm going to back up here before I kind of explain a little bit more of those verses. We have been talking about this term that I've already said in here today is sanctification sanctification is this after I got saved we know salvation salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ as my savior when I got saved I received Jesus Christ as my savior one day I'm going to get to heaven that is glorification that's when I'm in heaven no more sin no more worrying about that I'm glorification I'm in heaven but meanwhile between the time that I got saved and the time that I get to heaven is this time period called sanctification it's me growing in my faith. It's me becoming more like Christ and, getting, and, and, not, and and understanding my position to sin and living in victory because of what Jesus Christ has done. And sanctification, we talked about two ways last week. There's positional, which means I'm already in the family of God. It's as if I'm in heaven, I'm in the family of God, but I'm still in this earth. Positionally, I'm a child of God but sanctification as far as growing is progressive it's the process by which god makes me holy that one whom he's already declared holy so god looks down at us and says that person of mine is holy because of what jesus did for him not because he's done anything that would be legalism but because what i've what jesus has done for him but i am now going to use and work in his life and to make him what he ought to be just like the little kids' song that sometimes they sing and I said last week that sanctification can be accelerated by faith. When you and I take steps of faith and walk in faith, boy, we grow. You see, young Christians grow fast because they're taking steps of faith. But it's hindered by choices of unbelief. And I said last week that when in the Christian life, you have victory. We have to claim it. When worry starts to dominate, God's promised peace. Claim it by faith. When your quick temper starts to dominate, God's promise, long suffering. Claim it by faith. But there's three types of people that's often in reference. There's the spiritual man. That's a believer who is controlled by the spirit. He's walking in the spirit. I'm gonna take you over to Galatians here in just a little bit. And we're gonna see the person that walks in the spirit, the spiritual man. That doesn't mean the man who wears the suit. It means the spiritual man is the someone that's walking yielded to the Holy Spirit then you have the natural man in the bible referred to that is someone who is not a christian someone who is not saved and then the phrase will come up but more next week carnal man the word carnal means fleshly that is a saved person that's still dominated at least partially by the power of the sin instead of and and they're controlled by their flesh instead of the spirit so the carnal man is what we're going to kind of reference a little bit more next week but what's what we're kind of getting at today. But today, we're, in the beginning, we're showing what is my relationship to this law. And in these first few verses, he opened up by saying, you and I are dead to the law. Because Jesus Christ died and we identify with him. Just like we're dead to sin, we're dead to the law. So we no longer have to do, we can't do anything to get to heaven, and we can't do anything to earn God's love. He's saying you are dead to that. Just, and he uses an illustration of her husband and wife. And he's writing to an audience that he, he would assume would, would understand that a husband is bound to his wife and a wife to her husband is uh, until death. But the moment someone dies, they're now free to remarry. So if I died today, boom, drop-dead teaching, technically Michelle in the next week could get remarried to some other person and come sit in this class. Now if she did, that's way too fast, and if I can <laughs> haunt them... If I'm able to haunt someone and I don't think I am, I'm coming back, all right? All right no, I won't, I, won't, I won't go any further with that. But technically, once I die, she is free to remarry. And you and I, when Jesus Christ, the body, and, and He died and was buried and rose again, He died to set us free from the bondage of the law. The, and, and that's really 1 through 6. That's all He is doing is illustrating that the law's power it ends at death the law can only rule over a person while he's alive and you say well we're alive we're breathing here you know remember your position your position you're dead in christ you died with christ you rose with christ victorious so the law can't rule you anymore and he uses this illustration but what he's illustrating is that the body of Christ makes me dead to the law? I have now been released from the law's reign over me. I am now married to Christ. That's when he when he gets into a little bit. He says now that we he says we used to bring forth fruit unto death, verse five. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, and not in the oldness of le- letter. So our new life is by faith. And enable and the Holy Spirit enables us or helps us to live out the Christian life, and so now we don't have to abide by the letter, but we need to and and really uh, overcome by the letter of the law, but we overcome by the Spirit's power. We now have the Spirit of God living inside of us, and so then it kind of gets into starting in verse seven. What was the purpose of the law then? Because the question comes then. Okay, is that law? We would look at it as the Ten Commandments, so there are more. Is the law then bad? But he says, no, no, no. The law was good. He says, verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. He says, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. But sin... Taking occasion—the word "taking occasion" means it's the starting point or it's the base of its operations. So sin, with its base of operations, by the commandment wrought in me a manner of concupiscence. That's a fun word. But without the law, sin was dead. You ever walk on You ever walk down the sidewalk? Saw the sign that says "Do not walk on grass." What do you want to do? Now, some of you are really spiritual. Probably but, already did probably already did it but when it says do not walk on grass i just want to walk on the grass because the law is bringing out in me that flesh that says i want to do something wrong i brian told this story today before we prayed so i'm stealing this illustration from him and see if i get it right but he was he was talking about how he read about this there was a place down in florida that built this condo right on the i mean as close as you could get to the beach And because when they built it, they realized there could be some people that were fishing off of the deck. I mean, so close. They're like, people are going to be fishing off the deck. And they didn't want people to do that, so they put a sign up that said, Do not fish off the deck. And guess what? Everybody was fishing (laughs) off the deck. And they were so frustrated by it, and the only way they actually stopped it was to take the sign down, and then people didn't think about it. The ones that were coming in now, later renting the place, didn't think about fishing off the deck. They didn't have as many problems all because they took a sign down that said do not fish off the deck because in us is wired and that wicked sinful nature of ours is to go against whatever the law says. The law reveals in us a sinful nature and then in verse 8 shows us that by saying take an occasion and in rod in all manner of humans the law provokes the sin that's in us. And that's what the law's job really was. Galatians says it was a schoolmaster to us, but the law is, is revealing in us the flesh. And that's what it does. There's nothing wrong with the law. It did, it did its purpose. Paul said, I, didn't, I wouldn't have known covet, except for the law said, thou shalt not covet. And then I started realizing I'm coveting kind of reminds me of like when you buy we bought a volkswagen or i shouldn't say we shell got a volkswagen she drives it around i'm allowed to her once in a while all right she drives it i I don't remember ever seeing a volkswagen what kind is it volkswagen jetta i don't i you walk me on that lot say find a volkswagen Jetta. i'm like i have no idea i don't know cars but i'm like i have no idea i've never seen a volkswagen jetta i see volkswagen jettas everywhere now, why does that happen? Because once you're familiar with something, you see it. I, I just think that's the same principle. It's like when you get into sin, and we'll get to you, Brian your question. But when when, when, when the law comes, it reveals. Oh, this is this is bad. I've got a problem here. Go ahead, Brian. Is it a sin to walk on the grass or to fish off the deck. If it's not breaking the law, I'd like you know the, you get arrested well, say you're breaking the authority. So if a place says, if a place says, don't do this then we have to uh, the principle in the bible is to follow the authorities that are given we're not the authority of that place the, that place is the authority and they ask us not to so i would say yes but i tend to be a little strict on myself but yes i would say we've by the rules now well anyways i also drive 75 mile an hour and the speed limit's 70 so i don't confess it every time so we got a little bit of uh brian just keep your questions to yourself all right I'm going to be. I'm already a slow driver. She says. Now I'm going to be like very slow, 69 mile an hour instead of 70. But uh, no, good question. So, but, but what what all that does is the law was given to us to reveal our sin, but it never gives a hope. So it just beats us up, and it says, and, and I think was it verse in the last part of uh, verse nine. It says, or verse eight it says, for without the law, sin was dead. It just it just brings about a death like we we can't ever accomplish anything but what the law was supposed to do is reveal to us that we have a need and that need is jesus christ he's the only one that can satisfy the law and when he died was buried and rose again for us he arose victorious over sin and death and over the law he did fulfilled what the law revealed to us that we had a great need let me read down a few more verses. Like verse 9, he says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. I realized when the law came, sin. I realized what am I going to do? I can't. Verse 10, And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me, God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin worketh death in me that by that which was good, that sin by commandment might become exceeding sinful. The law fulfilled its purpose. The law was always intended to show me I'm a sinner and show me I needed something other than myself to redeem me. But here's what we do and why we're talking about this a little bit today and we'll get more into it next week. What we often do then is put ourselves back under the law. Just like I said last week with my illustration, we go back to, like I said, Libra State Park and when they asked me to mow, I say, all right, I'll just do it because I know. We put ourselves back under the law by some of these standards that we set up. It's nothing wrong with standards. I don't even want to use the word standards it, but we put ourselves back under the law by feeling like if we don't do these things, then God no longer loves us like He once did. And so there, there would have been a time in my life, I'll just say this there would have been a time in my life, just me wrongly, that if I didn't come to church looking like this, I would feel like I was in sin. They're just being transparent. I don't feel that way now, I don't feel you, but there would have been a time in my life and I'd have been like, "Ugh." I was foolish of me, young and dumb of me, but I had put myself back under the law. And so we have to be, my, be careful in our lives of making a law to try to keep or holding others to that law or holding ourselves to that law that God is not holding us to. There are some things that we should and should not do. I, I do believe the Bible teaches the principle of honoring authorities, like we've discussed. I do believe to avoid this law totally that i've been trying to avoid but i do believe there's a principle in the bible of modesty what is modest what isn't modest that's up for everybody to choose in their own in a sense but the bible says that we are to be our society is not are they not and our society promotes itself as not but we should be that's that's a biblical principle that we all have to work through there's 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 principles in the bible about things that our eyes should not look on i went for the easy principle of saying whether we had a tv or didn't but you know it's okay to have a tv but there are some things on the tv that we shouldn't be watching is that true that's not legalism that's just principles and so we we do where i want to come i I started on one side and i want to finish on the other we do have to know our bible so we know some things that may be getting us in the flesh And there may be some areas in where we can draw a line that I may not hold another family to, but I may hold myself to or our family to. But in the end, this sin wants to reign in your life. And it's easy for the people on one side to say, hey, point out, you're a legalist, you're a legalist, you're a legalist, you're a legalist. That's what people want to say all the time today. Well, the other side of that though is there's some people that just say hey i can do whatever i want and what really they're doing is is they're walking in their flesh all they're trying to do is have an occasion to their flesh let's close by going over to galatians chapter six real quick galatians chapter five i want to get back to romans 13 my my teachers wouldn't let me all right my other teachers are stopping at 13 but i want to take you to galatians chapter five because here's here's the principle and here's what a lot of people worry about because it is tough like it is tough to see people that are making occasion to their flesh they're living in sin and then then even though they're living in sin they're saying hey I get the freedom to do what I want don't be a legalist it's hard nowadays to talk through that but the basic principle is this that if everybody did this verse that I'm going to read I'm going to read a few but if everybody did this first verse right here it would take care of all of this but not everybody does and it makes it a little bit difficult look at verse 16 one of my favorite verses verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5 this, this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh now I'm going to read more in a minute but that is the key now because it's a term that we don't, we don't understand maybe walk in the spirit what does that mean Walk in the Spirit. When I walk, I've been walking around all day. I'm just taking, it's just simply one step after another. In the Spirit means I'm, I'm walking, I'm taking one step after another, led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now leading me. If everyone in this room took serious, I'm not saying you don't, I'm just saying in general. Because I know I don't always. But if everyone in this room took serious the fact that the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us, and there are some things that the Holy Spirit's going to say no to, and He's never a legalist. And there are some things the Holy Spirit's going to say that's okay, and He is full of grace. But if every one of us walked in the Spirit, He says you would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then He lists what the flesh is. And, and the flesh, th- this is our modern day. This is our modern day society. Look, look at this. Now, some of these words are words we don't use, but let's just see if this is in a modern-day society. He first is going to say there's a battle going on, which we've talked about. The lust or the flesh is going to be lusted. That's an old English word. It means it's going to be at war with the Spirit every day. But then he says, but if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Well, that's what just we've been talking about. Because if I'm led, under, led by the Spirit, I don't, I don't have to worry about being under law because the Spirit's never going to lead me into sin. He's going to try to lead me and my family in the way that's right. But then he says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. Do you not see that on almost every television show you see? I'm not saying don't watch that television. I'm just saying, it's they're making it a modern day thing. That's Adultery is just what happens. Get over it. Fornication. That's any type of sex outside of marriage big generals i mean that's everywhere that's like expected for our for teenagers nowadays like they promote it 16 well they used to i used to use that illustration all the time probably shouldn't now but what is 16 and pregnant we're celebrating these kids like hey congratulations you're 16 and pregnant let's put you on mtv or let's just say hey raise that kid in a good way let's not promote that for other 16 year olds but hey we just publicize this stuff nowadays fornication Uncleanness, Same thing, another sexual sin. Lasciviousness, that's party-like atmosphere, lifestyle, wickedness, idolatry, putting anything before God. Witchcraft, that's actually the Greek word where we get our word pharmaceutical, which is where drugs can be included in that with witchcraft. Just popular today. I mean, we're going on hatred everywhere, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions. All this stuff is there. But he says, but then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and he says and they that have crucified the flesh with the affection lust thereof if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit this is the answer the answer to instead of putting all these laws and saying hey we're not going to do this so you guys shouldn't do this and we're not doing this so you guys shouldn't be doing this instead of putting all that here's what we need to do get serious about walking in the spirit Because when I walk in the Spirit, you know what? There may be something that we turn on. Or there may be something that I go to do or something I go to say. And all of a sudden that Spirit says, Brad, that's not right. And when the Spirit says, that's not right, I need to cut that out. But unfortunately, a lot of us in this sanctification time, we would either rather have some rules, which is fine. It's called standard. Or we'd rather just say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. No one can tell me what to do. Well, then you're going to end up in this list right here in that verse 19. So we're not under the law, that's true. That's great. The law cannot do you any favors for God. You are under grace. God loves you with a maximum amount of love. Nothing you do, nothing you wear, nothing you smell like is going to earn you more love for God. But on the other side of that, there still is rules. It's called the Bible. There still is guidelines, it's called the Holy Spirit that's going to lead us in a way that we should walk. And so get in the Bible, be yielded to the Spirit, and you'll know what God wants you to do and be led by His Holy Spirit. All right, let's pray.